0: Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. My text is the uh, gospel reading from Luke 21 as read a moment ago. St. Paul said, God has fixed the day upon which he will judge the world by the man he has chosen. That is the clear message, not only from St. Paul, but in the Old Testament and New Testament as well as we see In the appointed readings, especially in Malachi, I don't have to tell you that many today actually don't believe that there will be a judgment day. They have put that aside. It doesn't make an effect on their life at all. And so we're very much as it was in the days of Noah when people are complacent and they're going about their temporal affairs, marrying and giving in marriage and eating and so forth. It's ordinary. There's nothing amiss and nothing they're waiting for. Now, we should be skeptical of prophets of doom, both secular and religious, people who say, well, the world's going to end in 12 years because of climate change or whatever. Even scientists mock at that. Or that it's going to be natural causes that cause the death of the earth, like the sun has to explode or something. We, have, we can wait all these billions of years, supposedly, it's going to take place or even the religious people who have found something in the Bible that not even Jesus knew or said, and that is they know that next year or next month there's going to be the end of time, so come and gather and we're going to watch. All of that stuff is just nonsense, but we can never, ever ignore Jesus' word. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but not a word will fall that I have spoken to you. So let us humbly today bow before Jesus, open our ears and our hearts to what he has to tell us about the end of all things. Very important. From Christ we learn how this world will end and why it will end. And from Christ we learn what are some very important signs that we are to watch for and prepare ourselves for this event. Very relevant today. First, this day is described by St. Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians as the wrath to come. Of course, he means God's wrath to come. The whole book of Revelation, if you read through it, deals with that wrath, calls it as such, bowls of wrath that the angels or pouring down upon the earth before the end comes, not to mention the wrath at the end, which John describes as Christ treading the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God in Revelation 19. The writer of Hebrews joins in and says, it's a fearful, awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You don't wanna do that. He says, our God is a consuming fire. All of that is quite foreign to people today. And not just foreign to them, it's very offensive to them because our culture, even in the church culture, has tended now, if there is a God at all, to conform this God and to shape this God into the idol of a gentle God, a harmless God of culture, who strikes no fear and no reverence. Christian Professor David Wells calls this a styrofoam God. People have a God, even in the church, that doesn't have any weight that doesn't cause any fear to anyone anymore. Now whether we find it acceptable or desirable, the fact remains that God's wrath is holy and it is just and it is real, very real. It threatens to punish and judge all who despise the law as we who grew up in the Lutheran church and know the end of the commandments and the conclusion of the commandments and say we we should fear his wrath and not do Uh, disobey his his will. Now, many falsely conclude, as they do in life, that since God hasn't come down with lightning and struck down the sinners of the earth, that God allows sinners and countries to go on and on and on, and people under the altar in the book of Revelation say, How long, O Lord? What, What is this? People conclude that his threats are really idle threats like parents today who just say if you do that I will and then never do but in fact these people are misunderstanding the patience and mercy of God and the last day the restraints on his patience and the day of his grace will indeed come to an end and his wrath will be poured out he will not change his mind Jesus describes in our text a sample of the divine wrath that will precede the final wrath. And we have seen it in history because it is the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple which took place about 40 years after these words that Jesus spoke. Now the temple of Herod was a mighty and wonderful building. He was a builder, for he was a wicked man, but he was a builder. He knew how to do that. And this temple and the stones that they're talking about, uh, these stones stagger the imagination. Archeologists tell us that the largest of these stones was probably 50 feet long, 16 feet wide, 11 feet high, and weighed 300 tons. That's a small house size. And there were stones like that, all of them weighing 100 tons or more stacked on top of each other. So it is marvelous what Jesus says. Not only that, the opulence of the building was more like going to the Vatican or going to uh, St. Peter's uh, Cathedral and, and seeing the marvelous and wonderful things. The disciples were obviously awed by all this, as we too would have been, and Jesus reminded them not one of these stones will remain on another. They will all be thrown down. And you say, how can that be? But it was. You know what's there now? The foundation. The building on top of that foundation was only built after this destruction. There was no temple left. There were no walls left. It was only a foundation. How could they do that? I don't know, but they did. He goes on to describe the destruction of Jerusalem itself, the days coming when armies will surround Jerusalem. Well, that wasn't, I mean, history had that previously on several occasions, but especially 587 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed those walls and destroyed Jerusalem and led people into exile. It's going to happen again. These walls of Jerusalem will come down. There's no safety behind these walls, Jesus says. I'm telling you, you will have to flee. If you're inside the city, you had better flee. If you're out in the country, you would better not come back because this will be a time of destruction as you've never seen before. It was a reference to the Roman Emperor Titus that we know from history now who came and actually did exactly what Jesus says here. A horrid event in Israel. Everything came down. And uh, Josephus, who records the event, says there was not enough wood because he crucified all the men all over, up and down the streets. I cannot imagine the horror of that day. And why did it happen? It was no accident of history. It wasn't just history going and veering its own way. It was, in fact, planned. It was a judgment of God. Jesus says, for this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. He had previously spoken of the, the uh, parable of the tenants and how they killed all of the uh, prophets that God had sent. And finally the son, and he said, this is the son, we will kill him. And what will he do? It's described in horrid words. What will he do? He will destroy that city. And indeed he did. But that destruction, horrible as it is, is but another foreshadowing of the wrath to come, like the great flood of old or Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a warning to you every time you see it in pictures, that foundation, every time you consider the uh, vestiges of the flood, you are to remember there's another greater wrath that will come. The destruction of Jerusalem was the vengeance upon unbelieving Jews who rejected Jesus. The day of final judgment is the destruction and vengeance on all who reject the gospel that has now gone to all the world. As a final judgment, the final destruction will be ultimate. Jesus goes on to describe that final judgment too. There will be nothing that mankind has built that will escape the fires of judgment. As this temple, all that man has built for his own glory, there will be nothing left, nothing that we gather, nothing that we build. It will all go as this temple, as the Tower of Babel, including our cathedrals, including our skyscrapers, including everything that we have put up in all the world. Those who hope on these things, these things of the earth, are building on sand. It has no foundation because there will come a storm, there will come a day of wrath, and it will all be gone. You will lose everything. Now secondly, we see that not not just that everything will be destroyed, but that all religious hypocrisy will be exposed and condemned. Now, many Jews were dressed in, in clergy clothes like I am right now and pretending to be very strong Jews, but they were enemies of Christ. It was the enemies of Christ who delivered him over. It was the Jewish leadership that j- delivered Jesus over. And they called on, uh, many today call on Christ uh, as Lord and speak in his name as if they were Christians but of course they are not and the Lord says to us judgment's going to begin at the household of God like Jesus cleansed the temple there's going to come a cleansing of the church so the church is not going to just sit by and watch but God's going to take away all the hypocrisy in the church and declare who are the wheat and who are the uh, tares Not only will brick and mortar disintegrate, but in fact the judgment will be so vast that the universe we look at through telescopes is all going to collapse with it. The whole creation will come. He talks about the sun and the moon and the stars. All of this will be gone. All who reject God's provision for salvation in Christ Jesus will receive their due wages and the wages of sin is death, not just physical death and putting in the ground, but eternal death, the wrath of hell. God will cast the unbelievers into the lake of fire with the devil and the demons, and those who go will go because they wanted to follow the devil. That's the reality. God's vengeance, like floodwaters, will come through a dam. Though men laugh and scorn at this prophecy, and those who are hearing it today uh, probably are scorning it they're simply storing up wrath for the day of wrath saint paul says because like all the prophecies of scripture this one too is going to be fulfilled this day is surely drawing near now what about the signs The disciples want to say, okay, how are we to prepare? What are the signs that this is going to happen? It's important, therefore, for us to understand so that we can daily live in recognition that this day is coming. And he gives the first sign as the proliferation of false teachers and deception, especially those who speak falsely in his name. Beware of those who come to you in sheep's clothing, but because they're wolves. So there's going to be vast and great deception. In fact, he he tells us in the last days the devil will be released to blind the nations. There's going to be some blindness and confusion and people who believe foolish things and go after false prophets. And he says to, to his disciples, see that you are not led astray. Be careful, because this deception comes in very persuasive ways, especially to your children. And when it comes, do not go after them. Do not be deceived by these things. Stay with the word. Now we see this today. Deception is everywhere you look. Lying is the way of life today. We see it in every institution, even in the church. And Jesus says, watch, test the spirits, discern, know what the Bible says so that you can separate the truth from falsehood. Now the second uh, warning or sign is increasing social upheaval between nations and kingdoms. Nation versus nation, kingdom versus kingdom. Now this is an interesting difference. It's not the same thing. These are not synonyms. Nation comes from the Latin word natus, of birth, nativity, he's talking about race, races vying against one another, racial conflict, ethnic conflict. And then kingdom against kingdom is the governments of the world. So you're gonna see both happening. Wow, we see both happening today, here and all over the world. Races and kingdoms at war and violence. That's, of course, been man's lot through all of history, but it's going to get greater and greater. And we remember, when we see that violence on TV, when we see that violence in the world, that there is going to come a war that truly does end all wars. God will defeat his enemies, totally and completely. Thirdly, we see increasing instability of nature, as evidenced in such things as great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences. Jesus talks about great earthquakes and famines and pestilences here, just as an example that nature itself is declaring that this world is falling apart. Again, these are common after the fall, but the proliferation of such natural disasters is increasing, and, and the intensity of such, we see it in hurricanes, greater and greater. We see it in tsunamis. We see it in fires. We see it in COVID. We see it in so many ways today if we just open our eyes. The universe, uh, Luther says, the house will shake and it appears that the universe is falling down around us. Indeed, it does. Finally, and significantly, it will be the mark of persecution of the church of Christians. They will lay hands on you. They will persecute you. They will deliver you up by parents, brothers, relatives, friends. You will be Uh, deliver it over you will be hated by all for my name's sake for my name's sake because you are a Christian there will be treachery in the world disciples uh, will be martyrs Christians will be martyrs and these disciples were all martyred except for John and he was he was uh, persecuted Uh, but if we think that Christian martyrdom ended with the coming of Constantine in the state Joining with the church, uh, we're deceiving ourselves. There's more martyrs dying in the world today than all of our past history combined. There is martyrdom everywhere in Pakistan, in India, in Vietnam, in China, in Indonesia, and so forth. Christians are actively and viciously persecuted and beginning to be so even here. This is what the devil, uh, God describes elsewhere as the battle of Armageddon, the spiritual battle. The devil surrounding the church of God, trying to destroy it completely and wipe it out. Now, some argue that since these signs have been present in every generation, that we really don't need to pay attention to them. But the point is, Jesus made them such that every generation would see because he wanted them to see these things. God used all of these signs to speak to every uh, generation to remain vigilant because these signs are signs of instability of the world. The near collapse is a reminder to us that everything is going to collapse utterly and completely. So much for the idyllic dreams of the so-called progressives. I mean, the so-called progressives today have a totally different view of where we're going. These progressives today have the vain hope that they're going to do away with violence eventually if they simply have the power. They're going to do away with war. They're even gonna fix the climate for us and they're gonna fix everything. And there's going to be, if they just have the power a creation of this utopia. Sometimes Christians are mesmerized by this vain hope, hope of glory, and they're led astray. This hope, this vain hope has been around since the fall and the building of cities. This is what people have always thought. In fact, if you see in the Humanist Manifesto, there is this line, check it out. No deity will save us, We must save ourselves. That's the taproot of progressivism. The ultimate rejection of the Trinity, of the Creator, of the Redeemer of the world, of the Judge of the world. The total rejection of the Gospel. I don't need a Savior God, thank you, but no thanks. We're gonna fix it all ourselves. Now the signs, obviously. Are in full bloom. I don't have to point that out to you. We need to remember the promise. Promise that comes through Peter, for example. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, but is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason why God hasn't acted yet is because he still has some he wants to gather. And we should be concerned about that as well. It is not time. It is not the time to follow after the world and the path that many, many are going on. They may urge you, especially the youth of the world, in the name of science, or in the name of philosophy, or in the name of relevance, or in the name of self-preservation, but when the masses go off in this broad way, and this popular way, let them go. It is not in your interest to follow that way. The Lord has been knocking through all these centuries. And now he's beating at the door. The Lord is surely at the doorstep even now. And so we should remember the words of Jesus. Fear not those who kill the body. We cannot harm the soul. Fear rather him who can cast both body and soul into hell. Don't go after those who are looking for other ways to be saved. But let me remind you the word of Jesus in this text. Oddly, in the midst of all this violence, not a hair of your head will perish. All of this generates fear in our natural hearts. What's going to happen to me Fear not, Jesus says, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He warned that there would be a flood, but what did he do? He had Noah build the ark, and he has an ark today. It's through baptism. It's the ark of his church. And that ark will not go under. In that ark, through baptism, you are safe. You are his. He has marked your forehead. He knows who you are. You have nothing to fear about the wrath that is coming. Nothing. But you say, this man doesn't know me. He doesn't know my past. He doesn't know my heart. He doesn't search me inside and out as the Lord does. He doesn't know because I have a whole lot of sins that God that stirs God's wrath. And I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. Remember that cup that God gave to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus said, please let this cup pass, but God said, no, you gotta, you gotta have it, and Jesus drank it. That was the cup of God's wrath against your sins. Your sins were all there. And the punishment that he inflicted on his son, that was the judgment you deserved. Justice was fulfilled. Remember the words of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That wasn't just crying out out of pain and terror. He was quoting the scriptures, Psalm 22, so that you could hear God was forsaking him because he didn't want to forsake you. He was made to be a curse. He bore the curse of the law so that you would not have that curse. You would be delivered from that curse that is described in the last day. Remember the words the angel spoke to the women at the tomb who thought that they were there to take care of the body of Jesus. He's not here. He's risen as he said. He accomplished his work and now he lives. Death has no dominion over him and it doesn't have any dominion over you either because you belong to him. Remember the wounds that Jesus kept that He said, It's always amazed me that in his glorified body he kept the wounds of violence that took place two days before, three days before. And he showed these wounds to his disciples in the upper room and they were terrified. And he showed these wounds to them, which would seem more terrifying, but he says, peace I say to you, I bring to you. Touch them. Touch me. No. I am the one who bore these wounds. Peace. He says it twice. Peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through his cross. We do not fear the wrath of God coming because though your garments are soiled and you are ashamed of your life and what you have done, I assure you that he has placed upon you a white robe. He has placed his perfection, the robe of Jesus. He has washed them in blood and they're brilliantly white. God has nothing to see upon you but the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again in your place. The words of Paul in Romans 8, some of my favorite words in Scripture, remember them these days. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ to life everlasting.